so let's pause for a few moments as we honor those men and women who have died and given their lives in this fight for freedom for our country, as well as fighting to liberate and bring peace and hope to other countries. George W. Bush, Memorial Day 2004, he made these statements. He said, they defended our nation. They liberated the oppressed. They served the cause of peace. And all Americans who have known the loss and sadness of war, whether recently or long ago, can know this. The person they love and miss will always be remembered and honored in the United States of America. Memorial Day oftentimes is reduced down to nothing more than keg parties, picnics, and concerts, a little time at the lake. One of the things we've tried to do here, <clears throat> and you can tell when you drive up, the flags are placed outside. We want to pause, we want to reflect, and we want to remember those, those families and those lives that have been impacted by those sons and daughters, by those husbands and by those dads that sacrificed their lives in a fight for freedom, again, for this country and for others. I want to pause and I want us to spend just a few moments in prayer as we think about families. You've got some relationship with families that have been impacted. Uh, again, Julie, who has worked with me for 20 years, is my secretary, administrative assistant. When she was just a little two, three-year-old girl, her dad uh, was killed uh, in war. And so I know the hole in the soul and the wound that exists inside of many families is real. So join me and let's spend just a few moments in prayer for those families. So over the last four weeks, we've been dealing with a series that we title Family Matters. And the first week we talked about the importance of establishing family values. And if you've missed any of our messages, I would highly encourage you to get online, thecrossloganville.org. You can access all of our videos, uh, podcast us, whatever you want to do there. But it's been a very strong series as we deal with family. Uh, the ladies that shared Mother's Day, very strong, powerful word on what it looks like uh, to be uh, a godly mom and take that call uh, with, with a lot of accountability and responsibility. Last week we talked about parenting and why it's so important for us to model what we desire to mandate and to become uh, authentic and intentional when it comes to training up the next generation. This week I wanted to spin it a little different. Uh, you'll see on the uh, platform right now two young men. Josh is 20, Benji's 23. Benji's getting married in about 12 days. Josh is getting married in about three or four months. And so I said, I want you guys to talk on this whole uh, about ready to get marriage uh, topic from this perspective. Lord, help me. I have no clue. I'm about to get married. <laughs> and so they're going to share a little bit this morning uh, just as they contemplate this whole idea of entering into covenant and marriage and just kind of things that God has been teaching them. So give it up for two of our young stallions, Josh and Benji. As we said in the first service, a disclaimer, all these things are not tested and approved. They're still currently in the uh, 
the process of figuring out. So, uh, but we want to just share just a few things, um, starting kind of with what what the Lord talks about and what God says in preparing to be married and in marriage, uh, kind of what it's taught us personally, and then how it's uh, shaped us and taught us spiritually. So, uh, just going to dive into a few points, and uh, then Dad's going to close us out. But as far as talking about what the Lord says about marriage, um, the three main points we want to talk about on that is providing, protecting, and leading. Um, so if you're taking notes, you can add those in there. But um, the first one that, you know, as we've sat and talked, the most important one we believe is that as the men, we're called to provide for our wives. Uh, we're called to provide financially, meaning getting out and getting a job. Uh, for me, when I first got engaged, I was playing ball, making pennies on the dollar, and I knew that just wasn't going to sustain us. Um, so going out and, and finding a job and praying and asking the Lord to, to provide something so that I could provide for us. Um, it's important, getting out, not being lazy, having a work ethic, um, providing physically for each other. First uh, Corinthians 7 talks about yielding our bodies to one another. So really finding the importance of getting in the gym, training your bodies, eating healthy um, day after day. You know that It's easy to go out and to get a job because you have to. I mean, if you don't have a job, we're going to end up on the streets living in a box somewhere. So you have to go out and get a job, but it, it shows a deeper character trait, I think, when you have to do the, you know, the extracurricular activities of, of training yourself mentally, um, but physically, you know, firmly. Um, so we believe in eating salads instead of hamburgers often, um, going to the gym, um, training yourself. Our CrossFit coach is here this morning, so she makes sure that we are working our butts off every day. So, but it's important to us, and I think it's important to each other because what you present yourself to your spouse, I think, is really, um, as Grace and I were talking last night, it's an, in your, uh, an inward reflection of how you perceive yourself. Um, so looking at yourself with some dignity and, and training and, and being able to present yourself as a, you know, as a gift. Um, so providing is you know, the first big one that we've talked on. Yeah, whenever we would get together and talk and uh, share these things, because, you know, both of us getting married, that's an awesome, like, platform for the both of us to grow on, uh, grow on what we talk about, uh, to lean on each other when, uh, you know, I just, like, don't understand this financial thing, Benji. Like, oh, these numbers, it's ridiculous. Um, but it, it's been a huge blessing to have this guy in my life. And when we did talk about providing, um, the thing that I see with providing for my future spouse is wanting to be a spiritual provider. Um, when it comes to our relationship with Christ and also um, what the household's going to look like, you know, what kind of character is going to be present uh, in our home. Uh, I want there to be an atmosphere of love and peace um, and just what Christ has shown me uh, extensively. I want to be able to show her in detail, like, you know, I love the fact that God has showed his love to me and I want to show it to you and I'll be able to provide that for her. Another thing is um, the next point would be protecting. Um, I th we think it's important to, to allow your spouse to know that you're going to back them and defend them to a fault regardless of anything. Uh, just because you have 20 guns laying around your house in all the corners here in Loganville doesn't mean that she's necessarily going to feel safe. Um, so learning how to emotionally, physically, and mentally uh, protect her. Uh, learning the things that you say and do to where she really believes that you're going to defend her. Uh, you don't want, you know, I, neither one of us want to get married and then in a few months something happened and she's got to go running back home to dad because you weren't enough to be able to, to stand behind and defend her. So um, 
that's even been cool just to kind of learn the little things of what is it that, that we can do, what is it that we can say to really make a firm stance to know that, you know, you can stand behind us, you know, that we are going to defend you. Um, we're going to defend you to our families. We're going to defend you to people that are outside. We're going to defend you regardless. Um, so it's important, you know, as we've even talked through, of I want you to know that, you know, you're safe here, you know, that no matter what happens that we got your back. Yeah. Defending what you value, right? Um, whether it's a viewpoint or a belief or your spouse, you know, you, if you value something, you're going to want to naturally defend it. Uh, so then, like, that goes into the atmosphere of how do you value uh, your spouse? How do you value certain things? Um, for me, I want to value her the way Christ values the church. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 25, it talks about it in detail. Um, you know, hey, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church. So if that's how it is, and Christ loved the church enough to die for it, you know, that should speak volumes as to how much I value my spouse. Uh, the next point as far as leading, um, really, I think this is the, one of the biggest ones too, is being the man of the house, we are called to lead our wives and lead our families. So learning how it's not an overpowering, dominant leading of, you know, the buck stops here, everything I say goes, uh, but it really being this this. We're teammates in this. You know, we talk a lot about how we're on the same team, all right? We, we, we're working together here. So one of our favorite um, things Grace and I talk about is the movie 300. And Leonidas, who is, he's kind of the macho man. He is the stud uh, throughout the movie. And how an outward persona of him is this big, jacked, ripped up, dominant leader. Um, but on the inside, when you see him with his wife, uh, he confides in her. He, he seeks her inside. He's not above reproach when it comes to his wife, and he values highly what she has to say um, because women have a different perspective of uh, discernment than we do at times. And so, you know, praying that the Lord would lead our family through us as the men, but also, you know, being able to seek that insight of, you know, of our wives and knowing that um, what they have to say is valued and how we can lead our families together. Um, but it starts with us. And so, you know, getting in the word every day and just deeply praying and desiring and asking the Lord to, you know, equip us enough to be adequate to lead, you know, our families. Um, because it does start with us. You know, we do set the example. Um, and so it's important to, to really just pray and ask for these qualities that are, um, they're worthy of following, first off, you know, amongst our wives, but amongst our peers, too, is, you know, I want to be somebody who, when they look at it, it's like, you're adequate enough and you are, you know, you're worth following. Um. Yeah, the thing that I see with leading uh, and in leadership, there's two main keys, like key factors to leadership, and that's intentionality and integrity. And being able to have that with our future spouse is going to be so huge. You know, at least what I've been contemplating out of the word is being able to see uh, the way Christ was so integral in the way he ministered to his disciples and to others uh, in the way that the father was ministering to him um, and he was very intentional as well but I want to be able to say at the end of the day like I was intentional with her I sought her out I understood her um, the way she ticks uh, how she loves how she wants to be loved and I can lead out of that I can know all right this is how she is going to be this is how she's going to have to have something met as a need 
and then I can go into that point, I can bless her and minister to her in that way, and then whatever decision comes out of it, it's like it builds respect. It builds a mutual understanding of each other, um, and it, it encourages unity. Uh, going on to kind of just what we've seen and felt personally, um, something that you know, I felt is a, a very heightened sense of work ethic and the desire to want to work hard at everything. Uh, when somebody else is dependent upon you, um, when you start buying insurance and when you start looking to buy rent and paying a car payment and multiple car payments and then you have all this stuff build up, you learn that there's a heightened sense of, I got to work. I can't be lazy. All right. There's, there's no room to be passive. Um, so... Uh, physically working too, um, knowing again that I want to be in the best shape I can be for you so we can get out and do things so we're not uh, slaves and trapped in our own bodies, you know, that we can get out and be active and do things um, spiritually, getting up every day at the same time every day and, and working hard spiritually, praying through uh, mental clarity so that I can be of pure and you know, sober mind to be able to consciously know, you know, what's going on so that we can lead, but just a heightened desire to work um, has really come about this, which, you know, has been great because I think a lot of times we seek and try to find our desire for why we do a lot of things that we do, and sometimes we just mundanely go through the motions because you don't have a driving force for what it is that you're doing. Um, so being able to, to pinpoint a reason for why are we doing what we're doing. When I got done playing ball, I, I was still training physically, but I was like, for what? There's nothing I'm training for anymore. And so being able to now look at her and be like, hey, I want to train physically for you. You know, why am I working spiritually? I'm not pastoring a church, but no, I want to be able to adequately be able to lead us spiritually. Um, I want to be able to provide for us in a job. So just really a heightened sense of of just a work ethic, you know, knowing that I don't want to cheat myself and I'm not going to cheat her um, just because of laziness. Yeah, what I've seen is just a difference in my character and what I notice about myself and how I don't want certain things to be evident in our marriage, like uh, selfishness or greed or even entitlement. Um, while I was off in Nepal, I lived out in nothing with different people who spoke a different language. It was very difficult. And I was with the same eight people for, from morning to evening. And it was hard. I had to deal with their, their weirdness and their tics. And oh man, there were times where I was just like, this is ridiculous. I just want to be away from these people for like ever. But <laughs> I was slowly realizing, man, God is really training me up in this thing called marriage, I feel like. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> the thing that's really cool is these three points that we're talking about, providing and protecting and leading, I feel like all those flow out of 1 Corinthians 13 and the love. You know, love is patient, kind, and gentle, long-suffering, um, and doesn't hold grudges, doesn't keep track of wrongdoings. I'm like, okay. I learned that so well when I had to deal with others who, you know, they did something, they they took something without me asking, and I'd call them out on it later, and, you know, it hurt their feelings, and it'd bring up a lot of tension. And I realized, you know, there's so many things that are small, but there's a bigger spiritual meaning behind it. Um, love being able to say, I don't keep track of wrongdoings is huge. Like, that's terrifying. That's the problem with our culture today, is we like to just throw mud back up in everyone's faces. You did this. Um, it's, it's, it's not good. 
And I was like realizing as I'm out there in Nepal, like, man, this is my character. These are things that I struggle with and deal with. And God had to deal with me heavily out there. And I had to have a lot of times where I was on my knees uh, learning that repentance wasn't a bad thing. Um, but, you know, that's what I've been seeing and been trying to grow in. Uh, something else that's taught me, too, is there, between grace and I, there's a big difference in the way we love and the way that we receive love, which is good. It's a good thing to be different in that. But um, a lot of our, you know, biggest and deepest talks and conversations, things we have to work through is learning how to, to communicate that way, um, being attentive to their needs, that the way that we love um, what they say and what they don't say. Um, and, you know, I, I was somebody that when, if there was ever tension or anything going on, even if it wasn't between us, I'm just going to want to poke it until it pops to kind of figure out what's going on. And I had to learn that that's not the way it always has to be, you know. So learning how to draw back and how to let her have time to process and, um, you know, be me being more of the outright affectionate one and her being kind of more reserved in that area. So having to learn through you know, how each other loves and how we receive it because it's different and it's good because if it was the same, it would eventually get mundane. You know, there would be nothing really to work for. Um, so even though it's been, I don't want to say growing pains because it's not like it's been suffering, but um, <laughs> learning, how, learning how to communicate differently uh, and how to accept that and, and, to, and to, put for, uh, to put it forth has been good. And we were talking last night about how you know, even now we can look and see how much, so much strength has come through having to struggle through trying to figure out how to communicate in that way. But being open, being transparent and communicative through the, you know, through all of that has been huge. But um, being attentive to them and just the personality traits because they are so different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more plan-oriented and schedule-oriented, like everything to have a time and a place, and, and she's more kind of laid back and, and free-spirited. And so trying to mesh these things together. It, you know, it's been tough at times, but it's, it's been so good to struggle through that and, and to find so much strength in, into where we stand now. Yeah, I spent, so yesterday we celebrated four years, Hannah and I, of just being in relationship. And over that time, I've come to really see and learn a lot about her and how different we are. <laughs> uh, me and Benji are like kind of funny. Our relationships are like switched. I'm very laid back and like, it's whatever, bro. Just, just go with the breeze. It's, it's so good. <laughs> Hannah's like, oh, we got to have this plan. I want to have a schedule. If it doesn't go the way I really want it, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> uh, then Benji, he's like, let's have a plan. And Gracie's more like me. And we're just like, what's up? But um, <laughs> it's cool to see that, though, and to realize, like, that's a good balance. But at the same time, um, another thing I've realized is like that selfishness aspect that we all have kind of just ingrained in us. Um, it's dangerous to that as well because we have our own personalities, but it, when one personality starts dominating and taking more of the spotlight than the other, it causes friction. It causes problems. Um, and, you know, I realized like I don't want that. I want to understand her. I want to know how, you know, I can kind of come down and be in this humility state where it's like, okay, I know what's going on. I know how I can minister her in that area because I've learned what, how she ticks, you know, her love language and, and uh, just her general, like, personality and character. Kind of wrapping it up um, as far as we go, kind of what it's taught us spiritually. Um, for me, one of the big things has been uh, Rob Groeschel of Life Church. He had a, a series on marriage that 
Um, the guy I work for sent to me, uh, Blake, shortly after I started working with him and started listening through this. And one of the main things out of it he talks about is how there's, um, there's a sinful jealousy, but there's a righteous jealousy also. And how, you know, God has the right to be jealous for our love and our time and our affection. So um, being engaged and preparing to get married has helped me spiritually in seeing that the deep desires that I have to want to spend time with her every day, to talk with her, to, to communicate, to have this intimate alone time of just, of just us um, and pursuing a relationship together, that those same emotions and, and feelings that I have are the ones that the Lord has for us too because we're, we're made in his image. So these desires that I have, I'm able to see that as much as I love her, I know that it's just a small fraction of how much, Lord, that you love me and how much you want to spend time with me and how much you want to affirm and be affirmed and and so it's been good for me in seeing that, um, Lord, I don't want to rob you of the time that you rightfully, you know, deserve with me. You know, I want to be able to get up every day. I want to spend time with you. I want to sit and listen some days. Uh, some days I want to read. It might be worship. It might be in journaling or something. But I don't want to rob you of the time that you deserve. Um, and something he talked about, too, is how, you know, we always got to keep, uh, keep God our number one while pursuing our spouse as our number two and never allowing those two to fluctuate in between each other. Because there's times where if we do put things above the Lord, he will do things and knock that off the pedestal. And that's been a struggle for me at times that when, I'm, when I've been passionate about things in the past, I'll want to put that, you know, as my top priority. And so every morning having to, you know, reassure myself of, no, you know, she's not the most important thing. She's the most important person, but she's still my number two, and I have to make sure that my relationship with the Lord stays my number one. And for the linear to have any kind of substance and strength, the vertical's got to be connected and strong. This will never, you know, will never be sustained. It can never thrive if first my relationship with the Lord is not connected and if it's not firm. So being engaged and preparing to get married has been probably one of the best things to ever happen to me spiritually because I'm able to see a small taste um, just of, of the way that the Lord sees us and just that sweet, innocent, tender, but passionate and, and deep desires of his heart to want to be with us. It's like, man, I see that now better because I'm able to bestow that upon her. Yeah, and just to kind of, you know, bring a symbol into that, um, the oneness of the body that we have with our relationship with Christ, um, the greatest symbol of what he was just talking about with the horizontal and the vertical, uh, excuse me, the vertical and the horizontal um, is the cross. The cross shows us what a relationship with God looks like and how that relationship unites at a point and then goes outward from there. And that's how we're supposed to be with our spouses. We're supposed to connect at that point, but never stop the vertical. Because if the vertical ever has anything lacking in it, you know, that, that I always like, I kind of drew a picture on my notes where there's these clouds and it's raining down on the horizontal. You know, if there's a point of, you know, lacking there, that's going to hurt. You know, there's not going to be a lot of rain. There's not going to be a lot of nurturing there. And you're going to see the problems starting to uh, arise. But the vertical's got to be number one. We always have to be pouring in and being intentional with the vertical, with God first. And allowing that to connect with the horizontal and then nurture that as well. All right. Well, like Forrest Gump said, that's all we got to say about that. So <laughs> thank you, guys. Good job, guys. That's exactly what I was thinking about at 20 and 22 years old. Man, we missed it, a lot of us, didn't we? I mean, we, we didn't have a clue. 
Father, as we continue this conversation now, just uh, as we talk about marriage, uh, thank you for Josh. Thank you for Benji. Thank you for where you have them. Thank you for rescuing their souls and bringing them into a relationship with you. <clears throat> and I do pray for them. I pray uh, for Benji and Grace as they get married here just in a few days. I pray that that would flourish. Lord, my son, my daughter-in-law to be. Uh, Lord, I want to see them win. I want to see their lives totally passionate about you and useful for the kingdom. And Lord, I want to see them really investing in others and reaching others with the gospel. And I pray the same for Josh and Hannah. Lord, I, I, I love them. And as they get married in October, it's, it's, it's going to be so cool. Um, this, this is our next generation. These are our future leaders, Father. And, and I'm pumped to see uh, these young men who are, who, who are serious and sober and sincere about walking with you uh, and doing marriage and family and everything else. So I just pray that you would bless them and that we would learn from them and that we would pray for them as they, as they start this journey. Because marriage is tough, and uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So I, I just lift them up, and I, I pray that we, uh, we would take this to heart in Christ's name. Amen. A couple thoughts in closing. Marriage is the only human institution that God instituted before the fall of man. This, this is important to know when you go back to Genesis. The only institution that God ordained before sin and before the fall of man was marriage. Marriage is a sacred thing. It's a very holy thing. And so when we look at it, we have to conclude that marriage is God's idea. It's not man's idea. And God lays out big time blueprint on what it's to look like. Now, next week, we're going to start our series, Inspired. I'm going to break down some of that thought that's found in the early pages of Genesis, but we've got to take to heart uh, just how serious God was about this whole covenant idea of marriage. Genesis 2.18 says, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, here, here's what we know when, when God talks about a suitable companion to do life with, a helper. Uh, here, here's what we know. It's an incomplete person that still has adequacies and flaws just like we do. We realize that when God brings a person into our life, much like for Benji and Grace or Josh and Hannah, Hannah will never complete Josh. Josh will never complete Hannah. Benji will never complete Grace. Grace will never complete Benji. Their completion is only going to be found in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. That's the reason keeping Christ centered, number one, is absolutely foundational. And so people will say, well, y'all are going to complete each other. That's a lie from hell. Don't put that pressure on the other person. They don't have the ability to fulfill that. They'll find their completion in Christ, uh, which, is, which is crucial. But they can learn to complement each other. I'm, I'm going to bring a helper suitable. I want you to get this. Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two uh, shall become one flesh. Leaving, cleaving, weaving. Marriage is a covenant. I think it's in your outline, but I want to jog through it real quick. Marriage is a covenant, and I think it's important for us to know this in this transactional society that we find ourselves living where people treat marriage oftentimes like it's a contract that can be torn up and uh, redone. Marriage is a covenant. 
Marriage, the working definition is, it's a binding will that is agreed upon that is to last a lifetime. I leak more just where you'll know. I leak more into the Calvinistic beliefs in regards to doctrine because of covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God. So when we, when we say it's a binding will that it's to last a lifetime, our God is a covenant-keeping God. So whether you're looking at the Abrahamic covenant or the Mosaic covenant or the Davidic covenant or the marriage covenant, it's to last a lifetime. When God makes a covenant, it's to last a lifetime. When God says if we experience true biblical salvation through faith and repentance, he says, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. That's the reason I lean that way because God is a covenant God. Same thing in marriage. When we stand there and make this oath, this vow, and say we're doing it for a lifetime, now, now that's a mighty long time. And you got to be serious about it. And so Part of where you guys are at, and I appreciate the discipline in watching my son over the, the last years, and Josh, just you, bro, I appreciate where y'all are at. You've got to keep getting up every day. You've got to keep growing up every day. You've got to keep showing up every day. You've got to know what's up. You've got to have eyes that see, and you've got to have work ethic. You've got to have discipline. You can't take days off. You can't take plays off. You've got to be serious about it every day. And, 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 one of the deficiencies in our culture today, just listen to me, is the absence of men that get up, grow up, show up, and know what's up. Men that check out and live selfish lives has become more the pattern of our culture. So we're wanting to raise up that godly man to say, hey, you're entering into a covenant. Covenant. It's not a contract. This is not like, how can you get out of it? Covenant involves four things. <clears throat> Again, it's in your outline. But there's values to be agreed upon. There's an oath or vows that will be made to say, this is what we're entering into, into this marriage covenant. There, there's a pledge or a guarantee, here's what I'm doing. And then there was always an external act. Back in Jesus' day, a lot of the women wore the crown. Remember the story of Luke 15? where there's a lost son, lost sheep, and all this kind of stuff. Jesus talks about lost, but the woman lost one of the jewels out of her crown. That, that was part of that marriage covenant kind of thing. 27 years ago, plus, this is what I said to Barb regarding values, vowed, vows, pledge, and external act. I take you, Barb, to be my wife. They're writing out their own vows to each other. I take you to be my wife, to love you as Christ loves his church. Ephesians 5. I promise to love you when things are good and when things are tough, whether we're wealthy or whether we're broke. I will walk with you in sickness and in health. I will love you until we're separated by death. As God is my witness, I promise to live together in the holy covenant of married life. I promise to honor and cherish and take care of you. I promise to join in making a home that shall endure in God's love and peace. Promise. This is all vows and statements Here's the values, but here's the vows. I pledge my complete faithfulness through all the changing experiences of life. I freely give myself completely, body, mind, and soul, that from this day forward, I'll be committed to you as long as we both shall live. If I would ever do anything to break this covenant, I pray that God would deal with me extremely, severely, and firmly in a disciplined way. 
I don't, I don't want to mess this up. I take it to heart. And so I include that in weddings that I do. And so reality is we exchanged rings. And then we got a hotel room, and then nine months and 15 months uh, minutes later, Rachel was born. No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> but, but reality is, but, but reality is uh, it's serious. Dennis Rainey, who does family life conferences and stuff, made this statement. He said, marriage has become an upgraded social contract between two people in our society. It's not a holy covenant between a man and woman any longer and before they're gone for a lifetime. We, we've messed it up. Rainey says, when two peop people entered into a covenant with one another, a goat or a lamb would be slain and the carcass would be cut in half. And with the two halves separated, the couple would walk through this as they did their pledges and their vows and, and, and agreed upon before, before God they were entering into covenant. And then they would say this, may God so do to me, cut me in half, if I would ever do anything that would violate this covenant that I'm entering into. That, that's the reason I think it's so important for each and every one of us to go back and understand the value of covenant. We can't negotiate it. God is a covenant-keeping God. And what we oftentimes even see within the church is, is it's compromised, it's negotiated, and it's, it's, it's not appreciated. When we say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this, it means I'm going to do it. So as you guys enter into this marriage covenant here in 12 days, Benji Grace, I want you to know covenant is holy. It's initiated by God, but it's holy, it's sanctified, it's set apart. And that's what God has, has shown us within covenant Hey, I've sanctified my son and set him apart to redeem you with the blood. I'm, I'm, you've got to sanctify and set each other apart. This is very holy. Sanctify first and foremost Christ and set him apart. When you make a covenant, it's an irrevocable promise. And like I said, it's oneness with a person of opposite sex for a lifetime. Opposite sex. That's God's blueprint. So we're not negotiating that. It's for a lifetime. So uh, let me hit this leave, cleave, and weave thing real quick and wrap up some thoughts. But here, here's one of the fundamental problems that I see happening, and I've, I've talked to them, and I think this is so important. When you get married, you've got to leave, you've got to cleave, you've got to weave, you've got to become one with your, your spouse. Some continue to place greater weight and ties with their parents than they do with their spouse. This is a train wreck ready to happen. It's disastrous. You don't eliminate your parents when you get married. You appreciate your parents, but you're entering into a covenant. You may still go back for some wisdom occasionally, but you're entering into covenant. There are certain people that get married that place greater weight still on their family, mama, daddy ties, than they do their spouse. It opens up all kinds of chaos. I'm telling you, it's a recipe for disaster. When a spouse uses a child to meet their emotional needs and won't let them go, it's disaster. So one of the things I know is my son gets married and hopefully all the rest of them get married where I don't have to feed them one day, but here's the deal. <laughs> Not right now, but eventually. 
I don't have a problem cutting the cord. Okay? We're going to cut the cord. Meaning, you ain't nursing off a mom forever. You're going to grow up. And so part of that has happened over the years with having conversations as a young man, young boy. But as he started going through teenage years and all this stuff, we have conversations. And then we have these young men conversations. Then we have these manhood conversations. We're preparing you to leave. I was watching the news the other day, and the 30-year-old dude in New York, his parents took him to court to kick him out of the house. Did y'all see that nonsense? In the name of Jesus... I don't know what righteous anger looks like, but somebody ought to slap that boy. 30 years old. I'm not moving out. Y'all can take me to court. We live in a, let's sit around on a beanbag and eat Cheetos and watch Netflix and play video game society. Give me a stinking break. I was watching that and I'm like, man, that's jacked up, bro. That word... That word cleave, when we talk about leaving and cleaving together, it means to be glued together. It means to be cemented together. So part of that responsibility, listen to this, is to keep pursuing after your wife, guys. Chase her heart. Chase her heart. I mean, 27 and a half years in marriage, I still, I want to chase Barb's heart. I love Barb. I mean, we're, we're different personalities and all this stuff. You're talking about learning different love languages. Oh, my God. We're way different. She's smart. I'm dumb. She can spell. I can't know. But there's all these differences, right? I mean, there's all these differences that you have when you go into marriage, but it's like glue together, cement together. And then that whole weaving thing is it's a lifelong process. I mean, you think about spiritually, you think about emotionally, you think about intellectually, you think about financially, you think about sexually, intimately, I mean, which results in children. I mean, all that stuff. But there are so many other aspects of marriage. I mean, you know that as well as I do. And so, I mean, that becoming one is a lifelong process that we want to continue to, 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 to really uh, shape with each other. So I want to encourage you this morning, and then I want to move into some just time of prayer and communion today. But I want to encourage you to take covenant seriously. And, and understand the weightiness of covenant. Don't treat it like a social contract. Understand that it's, an, it's a binding oath that you're making for a lifetime. It's an irrevocable promise when you make that covenant statement. I'm in two covenants. I'm in two covenants. I'm in a covenant with the king, and I'm in a covenant with Barb. And, and reality is, I, I, love, I love my children, but I'm in a covenant with your mama. I made a covenant with her. Y'all just happened to come about as a result of the covenant. So don't you try to pit us together and get us fighting with each other because I'm in a covenant with her. She means more to me than anything. God calls me, based on what Josh was saying in Ephesians 5, God calls me to die for her. Which means if you mess with her, I will fight you. The silence of Adam screwed it up because he didn't stand up for his woman back in Genesis. He let something called a serpent cut in on his rib, on his wife. 
You ain't cutting in on my girl. And there would be, there would be a lot, there would be a lot more health. Nick ain't going to let nobody cut in on you, Lisa. He ain't playing that game. And, and that's part of it. It's like, I'm protecting you. And that's that righteous jealousy that Groeschel was talking about, Benji, that, that you mentioned. Yes, yeah, like, I'm jealous. God is jealous for us. God is a jealous God. He shares his glory with nobody else, and he's not going to allow less wild lovers to compete for the love that he wants you to experience from him. That, that, that's, that's, that's it. All right? So let's embrace covenant and be serious about this whole covenant piece that God has called us to.